0: looking to show off some million-dollar striking techniques comes out with
1: an
0: ostentatious kick but Douglas Lima again experience showing already John in the way he reacts although he got momentarily bothered down by he Michael Venom Page he got hurt with that staggered shot. and there's a jumping attack by Page Page needs to take advantage right now Douglas is uh, he's not quite at 100% oh and there
1: your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I am Josh Prep Igina, and I am here with my co-host, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, how you doing, buddy? What's up, Josh? So we had a very busy weekend this past weekend. For me, the highlight, though, we'll just jump right into it. Douglas Lima versus MVP. The... Maybe the knockout of the year. You know, we've had some very good knockouts this year. You know, we had Anthony Pettis. We had, um, you know, we had a bunch. But let's talk about Douglas Lima versus MVP. How did you see it going after that first round? Because we saw what Douglas Lima was doing. You know, he was able to take him down, but that's all he did. He wasn't able to do anything else from the takedown. Yeah, and you
0: know, you could clearly see that there was a small adjustment that MVP made after that takedown, and that was to just be quick, light on the feet, and to really get out of range when he did strike because of how dangerous Lima is in the pocket. And um, I thought it was a pretty good first round for MVP because he got to show just how good he is when it comes to the stand-up. But, you know, like a lot of people said, Douglas Lima does have a way better grappling game than MVP, and you know it, it showed in that first round. You know, for for him able to being able to, excuse me, being able to weather the storm was was actually
1: pretty good. Yeah, I so I sent the like just the knockout to patch like that sequence, the <laughs> leg kick, and then that that disgusting, disgusting shot, and he kind of like. He didn't understand what was going on, like, and I explained to him, like, you could tell, and I want to ask you, was MVP a little too light on his feet because he got his feet kicked out from under him?
0: Yeah, I mean, he just, he tried to counter a guy who's going to be in your face the entire time, and um, the the bad part about it was that his counters leave him vulnerable to stuff like that, to kicks, to takedowns, because he lunges. When you lunge, you leave yourself vulnerable to those kind of techniques. I mean, Douglas Lima could have definitely just faked the kick and shot in for a double, and he would have had him down easily. But he went through with the kick, and it it went to show, like, MVP's legs are weak. They're like spaghetti. He's got to work on that, especially, you know, if they end up rematching. Because now Douglas Lima knows I can
1: knock you out with one punch. I'm going to go for the kill now. Forget your footwork. And let's talk about that punch because, wow. A highlight reel for the ages. It was incredible. What did you think when he threw it? Because, like, from that first glance, the the camera angle that Bellator had, you couldn't really see anything. It looked like he literally just touched his jaw. But then they showed that other shot from, like, Straight on from like m v p s angle where he was on the floor, and he got obliterated,
0: yeah, it was one of those shots that you just don't come back from. It definitely twisted his jaw, he got smashed with that shot, and um you know, my first thoughts, and I feel so bad for saying this, but I was like, finally, somebody shut this guy up, but you know, listening to you know this past preference conference that he had with Douglas Lima. You could clearly see that, you know, at the center of it all, he's just a martial artist at heart, and um, I respect how he took this loss. And um, I'm so glad that he gave Douglas Lima credit, the credit that he deserved, because you know Douglas Lima did something that
1: nobody was able to do in
0: 15 fights. So definitely, hats off to both of
1: them. Yeah, uh, Douglas Lima. I'm really looking forward to his next fight. It's either going to be Roy McDonald. Or it's going to be Neiman Gracie. Whichever one, they're in big trouble. Because if Rory comes in fighting like he just fought the last two fights, there's no way that he's going to beat this guy. Yeah, and you know, Rory's,
0: Rory's upcoming bout with Neiman Gracie is going to be definitely a huge challenge. Because this is the different kind of game. Now, Rory McDonald obviously has a very high-level black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But the problem now that is being posed by Neiman is Naaman has done this for way longer than Roy McDonald has. And other than, you know, Rafael Lovato, Naaman Gracie's the greatest jiu-jitsu player in Bellator. So, Rory's got a lot on his hands. So, you know, let's see what takes place in that next matchup, and hopefully we get a great
1: fight either way in the finals. Then we go to the main event. Michael Chandler versus one of the Pitbull brothers. Don't ask me which one, the lighter one. But honestly, I didn't care. I thought this was a load of crap. Um, In a title fight, we talk about this all the time, the referee has to give a little more leeway. Like, I think Michael Chandler could have took like two more shots and probably gotten back up, but it's too late. He shouldn't have got hit in the first place. What was your first thought? Because you know mine. I texted to you twice. One word and one really bad word.
0: (laughs) Honestly, I thought the same thing. It was just a robbery, man. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is that Michael Chandler has been a champion for quite some time now. And he deserved more respect. And it's actually ironic that he had just gone through the same thing that TJ Dillashaw went through. And yet they were training together. And the same sequence. Both got dropped by smaller guys. Both weren't able to recover exactly, quote-unquote. And both got, you know, the early stoppage, unfortunately. Had it on them. And um, it just sucks
1: for MMA. I don't know who the hell that referee is. And the same team because that Captain Eric dude, who I can't stand. I want every one of his teammates to lose. Like, anybody who is essentially... You know, a part of Henry Cejudo's camp, I just can't stand. Yeah, they're all very
0: annoying. And, you know, the, the crazy thing is that, like, when you're seeing fights like this, it definitely damages MMA because of the fact that you have high-level guys going in there, training for three to four months, putting their bodies all down the line, cutting weight, killing themselves to then get an early stoppage in a title match that was... Really high stakes. It's it's so unfortunate. But, you know, that's the game. But I know Michael Chandler will come back better than ever. And
1: hopefully he gets to exact revenge on uh, Patricio Pitbull. Yeah, I'm sure he will. I just, just really... We talked about this fight last week. We were really looking forward to seeing Michael Chandler come back. The dude is immensely talented. And unfortunately, this is the game. You know, you get shots. It, not, it doesn't always go your way. We talk about it all the time. Not... Does the best guy doesn't always win.
0: That's true. Sometimes and we have other cases, sometimes guys just get caught and they can't literally can't recover and you see their legs wobbling, they're trying to defend themselves, but they can't. I mean it was like Roy McDonald versus Gigar Musasi. It's not that Roy McDonald didn't have the skills, but it was the fact that that size played a huge role, skill on the ground played a huge role, and you saw him trying his best to get out of those dominant positions, he
1: just couldn't. Yeah. So, by request, my good buddy, Eck2Fly, Eric Trembicki, a part of the Matt Madness family, he asked us to talk about Jake Hager versus TJ Jones. Okay. Look, the fight didn't go that long. Eck, I don't know what else you want me to say, but I'm going to put a promo on for you right now. Listen, I can't stand Jake Hager. I never liked the character of Jack Swagger, Jake Savage, whoever this guy is. But TJ Jones... Jack Black, I was pulling for you, dude, for the beef plant workers. I work in a beef plant, too. I'm a supervisor of a meat-cutting plant. You should have got this victory, but listen, you got taken down in, like, the first 10 seconds, and you did nothing. You tapped out. He didn't want to let go. You should have known. You're facing a pro wrestler, not an MMA fighter. Yep. I mean, hey,
0: I'll give you a quick little promo, too. Um, If these fights aren't fixed, these guys that Jake Hager's fighting are just... Complete garbage. I can't wait to see him fight a real
1: heavyweight, and hopefully he gets his ass whooped. Listen, Jake Hager, you shouldn't be cutting promos with that lisp. I'm not for that. Stop talking. Let your fist do the talking, and just get better, dude. Get better competition. You make, <laughs> you make, Greg Hardy look good. Yeah. That's terrible.
0: Just terrible. I mean, and what, and what's his, uh, what's his promo? His his signature line is what? We the people?
1: Yeah, we the people. We the
0: people want to stop seeing you fight because you suck. How about that?
1: Yeah, he talks about getting a phoner, a fight boner. He said it's what the kid's saying. No, it's what you're saying, Grandpa. You're like 37 years old. You should not be starting your MMA career right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough on Jake Hager, though. Eck that was for you. So we talked about in the Michael Chandler fight how the best guy doesn't always win. We saw the same thing in the main event for UFC 237. Rose Namiyunez versus Jessica Andrade. I'm going to use the same phrase that Ariel Hawani said. Rose has never looked better. That first round was a masterclass. She was whooping on Jessica Andrade. And unfortunately, you know, she got spiked in that second round. Heartbreaker. I'm not going to lie. I shed a tear. I told you that I was really emotional going into the during the weigh ins. Like, I was really emotional going into this fight. Don't ask me why. I just feel like really connected to Rose. I feel like she's just such a good personality for the sport. She brings so much love in a sport full of hate. And unfortunately, she lost her title by knockout, by slam. Congrats to Jessica Andrade. Andre, what did you think going into this fight and coming out of it?
0: Uh, I've never actually cried for a fight in my entire life, but this fight I actually cried. It was truly heartbreaking. I don't have any hatred or animosity towards Jessica Andrade because she's such an uh, a, a humble and honest martial artist. She did everything she had to do to win. It was very clear that she was outmatched in the striking area. And if that fight would have kept going and she would have never got that slam, she would have probably ended up getting knocked out. And um, I just I was just more heartbroken because I'm such a huge fan of Rose. And I already knew coming into the fight that Rose was going to look like a million bucks because, you know, as Joe Rogan said, as Dominic Cruz said, as all the best commentators have said, Every time Rose gets in there, she literally jumps like three levels and she's way better than she was in her previous fights. Um, And, you know, I'm so excited to see her come back. But the truly heartbreaking thing is the things that she was saying about, you know, potentially this being her last fight, about feeling a weight being taken off her shoulders um, now that she's not the champion anymore. And I totally get it. You know, when you get pushed into some type of um, atmosphere where you are the best of the best, where you hold a responsibility like that, I mean, it it can be a lot of pressure for somebody. And um, I'm just so happy that she took this fight in, you know, in her opponent's hometown in front of millions of people who were basically rooting against her. And um, it takes a real courageous person to do something like that. So, all in all, I take nothing away from this performance for her. A slam is a slam. I could be hitting a guy 30, 40 punches and he picks me up and dumps me. I can't be mad about that. At the end of the day, if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty, it's a fight. And Jessica Andrade did the smartest thing that she could do. She used her size against Rose and she got the victory.
1: Yeah. I don't. I can equate this to like when GSP fought Johnny Hendricks and his post fight speech and we didn't see him for years after that. Yeah. Like and it it bums me out because yes, GSP was not the winner in that fight to no. me. You know, but he was so good that like it was sad to see him go and that's the same feelings that I'm having now knowing that I'm probably not going to see Rose Namayunas for maybe a year or two or maybe never. Or maybe never again, yeah. And it's a shame because she's so good, so good. Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: the hard part about this is that sometimes you have people who are so good at something, but they just lose—they just lose that love for it. You know, it was like GSP. We talk about Johnny Hendricks, like kind of losing it. He lost it after that fight, and he really lost his motivation because he built himself up so much to get to that point. And when he didn't get the victory, it destroyed his career. Mm -hmm. But when you look at GSP, he was the one who really lost in that fight. Um, You know, Literally and figuratively. Because when you look at the mental aspect, George St. Pierre's life took a turn for the worst. He retired and all this crap started happening to him. And it took him four years to get back to do something that he had the passion for. But he hasn't stepped in the octagon since. And that's just what happens sometimes. And, you know, it's unfortunate because everybody, I know, for, I can say this, and I think I can speak for everybody, that anybody who knows Rose Nami Yunus knows that she's one of the best pound-for-pound pound in the world. She has some of the best striking I've ever seen, some of the best jujitsu, And um, you can't really take that away from her. But I definitely support her decision if she decides not to fight again because the mental aspect is like 90% of the MMA game and any combat sports because not only do you have to believe that you can beat somebody but you believing that you're the best like that takes a lot a lot of mental work like you really have to tell yourself that every day because you can be working really hard in the gym and you could really be busting your ass to be the best in the world but if you don't believe it you just end up looking like Lando Vanetta who has so incredible skills and then just freezes in a fight and loses in the worst way possible to guys who don't belong in there with him. And I think I'd rather see Rose Namajunas take a break and then come back better than ever than to force herself to fight and then start to lose corny fights against corny people because that
1: would be truly heartbreaking. Yeah, so coming off of that victory for Jessica Andrade and unfortunately the loss for Rose... What are the fights to make? Because, I mean, for the champion, I feel like there's only one clear fight. And that's the winner of Nina Ansaroff versus Tatiana Suarez. I'm pretty sure we both agree on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there there should definitely be a discussion for a rematch. Because that fight, I'm going to say, other than that slam, was very one-sided. So, at the end of the day, I think Rose definitely deserves it. And... um. If it doesn't come to fruition, if Rose decides to step away from the sport for a while or permanently, definitely Nina Ansaroff versus Tatiana Suarez has to be the number one contendership spot for the next title um, shot against Andrade. um, Either way, I like whoever gets that victory, but in my opinion, I believe Tatiana Suarez will win, and I think that she is going to really pose a huge problem for Andrade because Everybody said that Andraj was the true monster at 115, but no, Suarez is. She is a monster wrestler, and she's getting better every day. Submissions are getting up there. Eventually, her striking will catch up. But when you're looking at these two matchup, Andraj doesn't hold a size difference or strength um, advantage over Tatiana Suarez. So this is just going to come down to who wants it more. Um, but hey, good luck to whoever wins that fight.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that fight later on this year. Let's get into some news. After that jam-packed weekend, we still had our good buddy, Zedekiah Montanez. He did win his fight by armbar in the second round. So hats off to you, Zedekiah. You said that you were interested on coming in. So I'm not going to make any promises for our listeners. But it looks like we might have Zedekiah Montanez on your boy Elroy next week. So let's look forward to that. Some fight announcements. A monster weekend of like matchmaking for the UFC. For me, it starts off with Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis. I know, Andre, I know, I know you respect the Diaz brothers, but you're like not the biggest fan of them. But how could you not be excited for this fight? I'm super excited for this fight. Neither
0: guy has to cut weight. They're both pissed off and want to kill each other. You literally don't need a promo for that fight. We're going to see guns blazing in there. Two guys throwing hands. And if it does go to the ground even better, we're going to watch a super master class between two pretty good jiu um players. So I'm just super excited for this fight.
1: So you said it didn't need a promo, but I don't know if you heard Anthony Pettis cut a promo on Nate Diaz. Yeah. I... I honestly was speechless. I I didn't know that there was animosity there. Oh, yeah. These are two guys that
0: were like in the looms of fighting each other for such a long time. And when it didn't happen, I mean, Anthony Pettis was obviously pissed because at one point Nate Diaz did win like three or four straight, got a title shot. Anthony Pettis was right there in the wings. He kind of wanted that fight. So now we get to see two seasoned veterans going in there. And it's different now, you know. These guys aren't shooting for the top like they used to be, where their only goal was to get to the title. Now it's different, and um, now we get to see these two
1: guys who just want to go in there and scrap, and that's just so incredible. Yeah, I cannot wait for that fight. Another fight that I I believe that you called is this fight was necessary. Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone. Now it's a quick turnaround. This fight is happening in June. Do you think that Cerrone's making a mistake taking this fight so quickly? Absolutely not. I mean, he
0: went in against Miles Jury. Uh, at one point, Miles Jury was one of the best in the lightweight division, and he smoked this kid. Two weeks later, he fights Benson Henderson, former former champion at lightweight, and beats him too. I mean, th- he's always in shape. He's ready to go. I know. Once once he heard about this fight, he couldn't couldn't say no. He's literally gonna fight one of the best lightweights in the world. I know Tony Ferguson couldn't say no because of how successful Donald Cerrone's been. I know as soon as they said, hey, do you want to fight Donald Cerrone in June, he was itching. He was like, you know what? I can't say no to this fight. So, hey, I mean, this is going to be a real treat for MMA fans. And I'm just excited because these guys match up so well. They're both long. They're both rangy, incredible ground games. Very awkward striking. I mean, it's almost like a mirror match, to be honest with you. Just with a little things different, but... This is, I feel, is going to go five rounds. So,
1: yeah. So, what are the chances? We just spoke about Anthony Pettis. That was Tony Ferguson's last fight. What are the chances that this is better than their fight? Because their fight was fantastic.
0: I mean, I'm going to say it like this I think that Ferguson versus Cerrone is definitely going to be a better fight. And the reason being is because. When we saw Tony Ferguson fight Rafael Dos Anjos, we clearly saw that he does have some pretty decent striking. But, Donald Cerrone is a master at fighting awkward fighters. He fights guys like that are real weird, and he's able to weather the storm, and he's really just able to put a master class on them as far as his Muay Thai. So, I just feel that we're going to be watching two guys by the third round be completely bloody, ready to go still, cardio intact, just ready to kill each other. I think it's gonna be incredible.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be a hard, a hard, hard task for them to beat Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gaslam. Yeah. But if I know Tony Ferguson, I know that he's gonna try. Yeah,
0: and and you know, and listen, I'm gonna say it like this: don't expect Tony not to take damage because if there's anybody who can put damage on Tony, it's definitely Donald Cerrone. When you're looking at the best lightweights now. I honestly believe he can beat mostly all of them, you know. Obviously, with the exception of Khabib, because we really don't know what would happen in that fight. Donald has great a uh, great ground game, but we really don't know, you know, what he could do against somebody like Khabib. So you know what I mean? It, it's still in question, but um, it, it's going to be a tough fight, and even for Cerrone, because Tony's going to walk him down, and you know Donald has definitely had pressure problems in the past. You know, we saw when he fought Rafael Dos Anas the first time, Donald Cerrone got smoked in like 90 seconds. And that was because he couldn't handle the pressure that Dos Anas was putting. We saw it against against uh, George Masvidal. He got his ass whooped, and it was only because he couldn't take the pressure. Every time he threw a kick, he got countered. Every time he threw a jab, he got countered. Every time, you know, Masvidal would see an opportunity, he went in and straight for the knockout shot. And Donald wasn't able to deal with that. But, you know, I think that this is a different Donald we're seeing, like I said before. And I think this time he's going to be able to really put on a show. And this is definitely
1: going to get him a title shot. Either fighter that wins is getting a title shot. And our last fight that is definitely announced. A little bit of controversies here. I'm going to let you expel that. Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar. Andre, you're shaking your head. Let's talk about this because Alex Volkanovski has made a hell of a case to have a title shot. We spoke we did not speak about him this week. We spoke about him last week, you know. We figured that beating Jose Aldo would really put him up there, but honestly, he did dominate Jose Aldo, but he didn't finish him. So, it wasn't like something that people say, "Oh my god, look what he did to Aldo." Nobody said that.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I mean, look, hats off to Volkanovski. This was one of the I-gotta-do-what-I-gotta-do-to-win-this-fight kind of fights. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you want to make a case to be a title contender and you're fighting the number one contender, you have to finish him. That's the only way that that fight gets made against Max Holloway. And I'm going to put it to you like this. Why does Frankie Eger deserve it more? And I'm going to put it out there right now. It's not because I'm a hometown kid. It's not because I'm a, I've been a huge fan of Frankie Edgar since he beat BJ Penn. No, it's because Frankie Edgar fr- excuse me, Frankie Edgar earned his title shot against Max Holloway after Jose Aldo and he took a risk fighting Brian Ortega. He got knocked out. He got caught. That doesn't take away from the fact that he earned that title shot. He took that fight on short notice. Anything could have happened. But at the end of the day, when you look at Frankie Edgar's credentials versus Volkanovski's, beating Aldo by unanimous decision, barely, versus Frankie Edgar's storied career and the fact that he's beaten the top three and top four and top five over the last few years of that he's been fighting in the featherweight division, you can't dispute that. So, And, and on top of that, the UFC owes Frankie Edgar a title shot. You know what I mean? Like, this guy has lost in title, shot, in title matches and has come back stronger than ever. And has beat some guys who, who you're like, nah, Frankie Edgar's too old. Or nah, he's too small. Nope, he destroys them. So, I want to see this fight. And I think, in my honest opinion, that Frankie Edgar is going to give Max Holloway a lot of trouble. So, let's see what happens. But I think that Alexander Volkanovsky needs to wait. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. He just got diagnosed with a, you know... Excuse me. I think it was a something about his blood. After... Like a blood infection or something. Yeah, it was a
1: blood infection. I mean, you got
0: to take care of that, man. You can't go in there fighting like
1: that. I mean... Yeah, and this fight is made for <laughs> July. This is the card to make up for the card that they canceled earlier on this year. They're putting it... It's going to be in... In Canada, you know, Max's second hometown. Yeah. So, I don't have much of a problem with it. Honestly, after seeing what Volkanovski did on Saturday, I'm not really looking forward to seeing Volkanovski versus Max Holloway. Because I think Max Holloway is just going to box him up.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you're going to put a lot of pressure on Max. But, you know... Alexander Volkanovski is not Dustin Poirier. He doesn't have that kind of power. Nobody has that kind of power other than guys like Jose Aldo. And that's it. You know what I mean? So when Max Holloway is at his for- true form at 145, he's basically almost unbeatable. So the only guy I really see giving him a real issue is either um, Zabit
1: or Frankie Edgar. So that's that's about it. That's all I can say. There is another fight that I heard rumblings about from Brandon Schaub. He said that it was already a done deal. I haven't found anything about it, but I want to bring it up to you to see what you think. Bobby Green versus Mike Perry.
0: That's an interesting fight.
1: I mean, Bobby Green's kind of small. I'm going
0: to say it like that. And uh, Who knows? He's got good boxing. I give him that good striking. But uh, let's see if he can take... Mike Perry's power, because Mike Perry's a
1: tank at 170. With that being said, let's get into the preview for this week's UFC Fight Night. You know, it's very rare that we have a week off. This ain't the week. But you might be taking off because of this main event, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee. You look so disappointed. I'm not a big Kevin Lee fan either. I just don't think he is elite. Rafael Dos Anjos is on the end of his career. Andre, what do you see? I mean, I'm. We're, what we're going to see
0: is an outdated Rafael Dos Anjos versus a fat Kevin Lee and a five-round snooze fest where Kevin Lee just hugs him in the cage, takes him down, punches him a couple times. It's nothing new. It's what he did against, uh, what's his name, uh, Edson Barbosa. It's what he did against a lot of guys. There's nothing exciting about Kevin Lee. I promise you, if he thinks he's going to make a claim at 170, he's going to get his ass knocked out. And I think I'd just pay to see him get knocked out. that That's literally the only thing I'd like to see. I don't care about his career at 170. If you were really a, a prize fighter, if you were really the elite of the elite at 155, you'd make 155. It's that simple. Change yeah. your diet. That's the it. the excuse of saying, oh, I'm too big for 155 Maybe a 185-er can say that. But Kenny, because Diego Sanchez and Kenny Florian fought at 185 in the Ultimate Fighter and dropped down, both of them, to 145. There's no excuse. I don't want to hear it. So,
1: that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Your girl, Sajara Banks. I didn't even know this fight was made. We didn't speak about this. We were always wondering what was happening with Aspen Ladd after they canceled the Holly Holm fight. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. Aspen Ladd versus Sajara Eubanks. At what weight class? 135? I'm thinking. Because
0: I don't think Aspen Lad made 125. She's about to get a title shot at 135.
1: I don't know. Aspen Ladd's going to dominate her. That simple. Aspen Lad's that good. I do think Aspen Ladd is very good. And Sajara Eubanks, you know, she... I don't know who She's that there. is.
0: She's there. I'm sorry. Sajara, if li- you ever listen to this... I don't know who you are. (laughs) I never saw one of your fights. I don't know who you are. I'm sorry.
1: You know how hurt she gets by that.
0: Yeah. Look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I don't know
1: how the hell you got this Aspen Lad fight because I don't know. You haven't done anything. Let's talk about a girl who is going to do something eventually. Megan Anderson. She's welcoming Felice Spence to the UFC. That's a good fight. That's actually, I believe, the co-main event. Wow. That's...
0: I mean, hey, I'm going to say it like this. Um, I'm excited, but she has to really get, you know, um, a couple wins in there, real wins. She has to dominate some people if she wants a claim at that 145 belt. Um, Her career kind of started off rocking the UFC, and I think it's time for her to start picking up the pace a little bit in her fights. Start going for some more finishes. So, I'm really hoping that she ends up pulling out this victory. Um, I had no idea that this girl is like brand new, but um, oh wow, she's six and zero.
1: Should be a great fight. Should be a great fight. Hopefully, it goes longer than Megan Anderson's last fight. And she, oh damn, Well this girl's this the girl might year. be a problem. <laughs> black
0: belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Taekwondo, black belt.
1: Wow, that's. This is going to be an interesting fight. Maybe that's why it's the co-main event. Other notable names on the card. Charles Oliveira versus Nick Lentz. That's fine. I used to really like Charles Oliveira. He's obviously a B-plus player. Uh, Neil Magny was pulled from the card. I did not get to delete it, but he did get pulled for something USADA-related. But from what I'm hearing, it's... Something that is found in contaminated supplements. So, Walt Harris actually got suspended only four months. Hopefully, New Magni will get out of this pretty quickly. Let's get into one championship because you, my friend, have a one championship card this weekend. Let's start with the other names that... Jojo Petrosian, somebody that you always tell me about. Nikki Holskin, somebody that you say I have to watch. This guy is incredible, allegedly. I don't know that. But you went in on him not too long ago. Somebody that I know, Shinya Aoki, he's defending his title in the main event against Christian Lee. And Gary Tonin's on the undercard. Another killer jujitsu guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be some some great fights.
1: Yeah, and the Giorgio Petrosian fight and the Nis- Nikki Holskin fight, obviously kickboxing matches. But hopefully we see those guys in, like, an MMA fight soon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know that Nicky has has kind of itched at it, but he went more towards boxing. Nothing wrong with that. Giorgio, I don't know. I mean, he's been such a a master of Muay Thai. It's so hard to take a few years off and do wrestling and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA drills. Like, it's not easy for a guy who's really versed well versed in one area you know it, it takes it takes a lot of like mental strength to do that because you're basically rewriting everything because you know even from you know the way you move to your stance like that all changes and you have to adapt what you're best at to to really do well in MMA so I don't know man and he's also like 30 something years old now I think so maybe not but uh Gary Tonin's doing incredible in MMA He's getting better every time we see him. He just had his last fight against Anthony Engelin. Engelin was pretty good. And, um, you know, he just did what he had to do, and he got the victory.
1: And that was during—his last fight was during that huge card with, like, Mighty Mouse and Eddie Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. So, like, people—they're obviously putting him in places where a lot of people are going to see him. Because let's talk about the main—or not the main event, but— The main event for the American audience. They're obviously putting Gary Tonin on these cards. But we have Sage Northcutt versus Cosmo Alexander, another killer kickboxer. Oh, my God. This dude is disgusting. I am scared for Sage Northcutt.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, um, Cosmo has had a couple fights in MMA, so he knows what he's doing. But, you know... It's it's one of those fights that if Sage is not smart, he's going to get knocked out cold. Um, I've seen Cosmo Alexander literally starch guys with one shot. And I'm talking knees or elbows, uppercuts, just any strike that he throws, he's very dangerous. And um, Sage, I think his best bet is to take this to the ground fast and try to get a submission or ground and pound him out. Because the whole striking thing is not going to work out for him like he thinks it is. I get it that a lot of people think that sometimes karate and and taekwondo is better than Muay Thai. But in a cage, not always. You know, it's it's different with movement. It depends on the power of which you're throwing your kicks. There's just so many aspects that I can get into. But it comes down to Cosmo Alexander having one-punch knockout power and Sage Northcutt having to really take this fight to
1: the ground and that is something that I'm not really looking forward to, watching Sage Northcutt try to hone his ground skills <laughs> in Singapore. Like, Sage, you're going to have to knock this guy out, because nobody wants to see you on the ground. <laughs> Andre, there's one thing that I left off of the notes today, because I wanted to get your like honest opinion without you looking anything up. There's a boxing match this weekend. A pretty big one. And I want you to talk about it. I'm gonna let you riff on it. I'm gonna stay quiet. If I have any questions, I will say something. Andre, who's fighting this weekend? Deontay Wilder and Dominic Brazil. Is there anything for me to look forward to in
0: there? Uh I mean you can look forward to Brazil being hospitalized. That's probably it. I mean, there's nobody who can beat Deontay
1: in the heavyweight division other than Tyson Fury. So, it is what it is. Is this the right move for these guys? These boxing, like, up-and-comers like Anthony Josh with Tyson Fury, you know, Deontay Wilder. Is this the right thing where they're just, like, signing big deals with networks (coughs) in order to, like, stay away from each other? Well, I'll put it like this.
0: There's so much politics that are involved in boxing that it's really hard to make these fights. At some point, these guys go from contenders to megastars. They, they get a belt, then they have a claim to say whatever they want, and fight whatever they want. We saw it when Danny Garcia first beat Amir Khan. As soon as he beat him, he was on top of the world. He wasn't really calling anybody out because he was the king at 140. And it's the same thing for Deontay. Deontay knows that he wants to fight Joshua and he wants to fight Fury again. But he doesn't have to call them out because he's in the driver's seat. A lot of people thought that Deontay beat Tyson Fury. I personally know for a fact that Tyson beat Deontay. But these guys are at the pinnacle of the sport. And it takes so much to actually get these fights to happen because of the money Like I said, the politics, you have to set up the press conferences, you know, the A-side and B-side thing. You have to figure out where the fight's going to be because it has to be at a huge stadium. You know, Staples, I think, I'm sorry, uh, T-Mobile Arena, Wembley, anywhere that's huge, you got to have it there. It has to be televised on a major network. There's just so much. And then sometimes you have guys who are cross-promotion, you know. Where both promotional places and networks have to make that deal. So it's just a lot. It's so much. It's so much. But this fight's going to suck. Because unfortunately Brazil's going to get killed in there. He is way too slow for Deontay. He can't take a punch. So
1: don't be excited for this fight. Okay. And I do want to let our listeners know that we do have a boxing correspondent. That will be coming on the show for you know more significant fights absolutely yeah <laughs> you know we got tyson fury later on this year i don't know how significant that fight's going to be as well probably something similar to this anthony joshua's fighting god knows who in msg i'm not really sure what's going on with boxing but i'm not really looking forward to anything
0: it's just a lot of nonsense to be honest um i don't i i really, it's just like an mma too where you're, huge title fight comes on and sometimes they pick this one dude who just happened to be ready on the same card and he's complete garbage and he has no business fighting for the title just cancel the match it's as simple as that like it doesn't have to happen let both guys regroup reimburse the other fighter who came ready who wasn't injured you know for their you know traveling and their training expenses just get on with it it's not a big deal it happens you know if i go in and i'm about to fight connor and i break my leg in 17 places i don't want to know that somebody else took my shot you know i want to know that i'm guaranteed to be reimbursed and you know the rematch will happen eventually but with boxing they just make these stupid matchups and i hate it cuz it's
1: such it's so bad for the sport but that's my riff on it whatever <laughs> <laughs> thank you andre let's get into listener questions chang. so we have two questions from my one Good Buddy, Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd, and he asks, DC plan to retire this year. If he beats Stipe, do we get DC Jones 3? Unfortunately, yes. We will see it.
0: And we're going to see a depleted Daniel Cormier at 205 yet again because his pride has yet again gotten the best of him.
1: Close so What can he do? So, I don't know if you saw John Jones' interview, but he said the only way that he can lose is at heavyweight against a caliber opponent like Daniel Cormier. So, my view on this is we're not going to see it, and Jones isn't going to move up to heavyweight till DC retires.
0: John Jones won't take a risk. He's never taken a risk his entire career, and he won't do so. He's gonna to continue to dominate until DC finally retires. What he doesn't understand is DC does not want to retire until he gets one victory against John Jones. The only stupid thing I see is what we just spoke about. 205 is not a good idea for Daniel. He's gonna to have to take at least a year to get into shape before he can do that, and that means walking around at at least 235 regularly, like he used to. Do I think he can he do it with enough time?
1: Absolutely. But we're talking about a forty-two-year-old by the time he fights Daniel Cormier, and, and that's the problem.
0: I was just gonna say too. Do do I think it'll happen? Definitely not. You know, um, John Jones knows that after the Johnny Walker fight, you know, the end will be near for him at two hundred five. There will be no point. But um, at heavyweight, I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. He's like another Roy McDonald. Like, you know now, if he went up the 185, again, he'd get killed. But yeah. it's the same thing for John. John's not strong enough. So if he relies on his mind, he gives up everything else. What if he fights guys like Francis Ganu, or Alexander Volkov? I mean, it's just not going to be a smart fight because taking these guy, guys down is not going to be easy. You know what I mean? And the worst part is that we're going to see a John Jones is going to be out of shape. Because the only way he's gonna become strong is through juicing, and let's just face it, it'll take too long for him to make a campaign at heavyweight, because he's gonna have to become stronger, and it's not gonna be that easy. And the UFC is not just gonna say, okay, well we'll give you a couple of a couple of uh, gimme fights, and then we'll see how you do against the other guys after about a year. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see John Jones fighting bums at heavyweight.
1: Yeah, and he's already made it clear that like, oh, by the time I get to heavyweight, a lot of the divisions gonna be old. It's like, you're basically telling us like you don't want to do it. Like, yeah, you're, that you have an issue with going up now because he knows the competition's there. And the,
0: and the worst part is that you know if he doesn't want to do heavyweight, then just fight Israel. Then <laughs> at that point, or Yoel Romero, or mm-hmm. Luke Rockhold, because after. Dominic Reyes and Johnny Walker and maybe uh, Volcan Olsdamer. Who's left?
1: Corey Anderson. I still want to see that fight. I, 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 I don't know fight. if I made it. I don't know if I made it clear, but after Corey Anderson was on the Joe Rogan podcast, I just have like a newfound respect for him. I don't know if it's the way like Joe Rogan disarms these fighters and they kind of like are able to be themselves.
0: Yeah, and you know it. I, I respect Corey so much because he believes in himself and you know i don't i don't really see him as a bad guy he's not a villain here but i don't know like do i see him going up against guys like dominic reyes and johnny walker and giving them an issue no not at all i see him getting hurt i don't want to see that there's some guys who are so lovable in there that you just don't want to see them get hurt it's, it's that simple you know but um there's just nothing left really for john jones and if he's not going to make a serious campaign for a heavyweight title shot, whether it's DC or not, like I don't really
1: see what the point is. Just retire. Yeah, I think that John Jones will have trouble with Stipe.
0: I don't even want to talk about that fight because Stipe will roll
1: through John Jones so fast. Cause John, like Stipe, you know they focus a lot on his knockout power, but the dude is really well rounded, bro. His kickboxing is. At a very high level. He doesn't use it a
0: lot. Because he doesn't have to really. Guys really don't give him a reason to throw kicks. Because usually he stacks up well with almost every heavyweight. When he fought in Ganu, There was no reason to throw leg kicks to be honest. All he had to do was take him down. Because it was there the entire fight. But you know. I'm going to be real. If uh, John Jones wants to get into a kicking match with Stipe. He's going to get his legs broken. He can't take that kind of power. And at the end of the day, John Jones is not going to be able to stop the boxing. He's not going to be able to take Stipe down. So we're literally just going to watch a five-round domination of John Jones. And he's going to get his ass whooped. So, I don't know. Good luck to him and his career. And hopefully DC, if he can, actually do it. I hope he gets a shot in John Jones and maybe beats him.
1: Yeah. Then Donovan asks, who are some of the newer guys that UFC can start pushing as their stars? You already brought up Johnny Walker. Guys like Johnny Walker, Donovan, is someone that you need to watch. And someone that has the personality and charisma to be pushed as a star. Absolutely. He's such a fun-loving guy. He has an incredible personality. He's a fun guy. He is. Every time somebody says that, I think of Kawhi Leonard's laugh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's actually kind of funny in light of what happened, but whatever. <laughs> this is an <laughs> MMA podcast. <laughs> but, you know, he's a great guy, and I think he's so motivated to fight John Jones, and I think you're going to make that fight. You know, have him fight somebody who's in the top five and then give it to him. He deserves it. And we already know he's going to kill John Jones. I know I was saying that he, that John Jones could beat him, but that was just a hypothetical. Do I actually think John Jones could beat him? Absolutely not. I think he gets killed. But, um, you know, there's other guys like Corey Sandhagen.
1: Oh, yeah. he's Like, that last fight was so much fun.
0: Oh, yeah. Magic Marlon, Marias. I mean, you have so many guys. This is a beat. I still think Brian Ortega is a star. He's going to be a superstar. He's one of the best. People, look, don't count this guy out because... He ran into a prime Max Holloway. It happens. When Max Holloway fought Connor, he ran into a prime Connor. And Connor just beat him up for three rounds. Even even though he had an injury. It happens. But it's different now. And um, Brian Ortega is going to go in if he fights Zabit. And he's going to really show his skills. I don't think he's going to get dominated that fight. Because I don't think Zabit would be smart mm-hmm. in just taking Brian Ortega down. Or exchanging in battles with him. So he we just might see if it's a three round fight we might just see you know Zabit beat pull out another decision. Nothing wrong with that. He does what he has to do. But Brian Ortega is still a superstar and you know he's you know he has the charisma, he has the background, the story, you know he has he has the skills. I mean, if I have to really put out who's the biggest superstar out of all the guys I just mentioned, it would definitely be Brian Ortega.
1: Yeah, I still after that performance against Tyron Woodley it's hard not to like um, Kamaru Usman. Kamaru Usman.
0: Yeah, that's another guy. Um, I don't really put him as a superstar yet. He had an incredible performance against Tyron. But there's still a couple guys that he has to beat, you know. And one of them is Kobe Covington.
1: If he can beat Colby, he'll be a megastar. When he beats Kobe, Because I really don't see that much in Kobe. I don't either. I just don't
0: like to count Colby out because I counted him out against Rafael Dos Anjos. And he actually kind of surprised me. I'm not going to say that he put on his excellent performance. But he did, you know, pressure Rafael. And he, you know, he put him in that fire. Um, I don't like Colby at all. So would it be fun to see him get his head knocked off or his face just in a crimson mask? Absolutely. But, you know... um, I don't know. Kamaru's time is now, but it's not his time yet to be called a superstar. But it's coming because I know he has the skills. I know that he
1: can be at least top five pound for pound. So we talked about 135, 145, 155, and 170. If you had to pick like a 185-er that you would say is like must-see television, like UFC star in the making, what are you saying?
0: Man, um, 185 is kind of tough. Because we already have Israel. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Paulo Costa. I mean, he is a superstar in his own right in Brazil. I mean, people are calling him the Terminator. He looks like it. And though I think the only other guy that we could potentially see as a major superstar at 185 is Jared Cannonier. I mean, look. He may not have the best record coming in. But when I see this man throw hands... You can only imagine what he'll do to a 185-er. And look, people might laugh because he's like, oh yeah, he's never fought anybody serious. All I have to say is that he fought at heavyweight and was putting guys out with one punch at heavyweight. And now he's at 185 and he's not depleted. He's making weight easily. That means that the knockout power transcended to 185 with him and he's now just faster stronger than everybody else he's more agile i mean he's a scary opponent for anybody at 185 right now and um i'd say he gets the winner of yoel and jared Cannonier. forget chris weidman and all those other guys and because at the end of the day the real big fight will be him against one of those monsters you know what i mean let let um what's his name uh, chris weidman fight the dude who just beat um
1: Jacare. Jack Hermanson. Hermanson. Let those guys fight. I do want to see that.
0: I want to see that fight. I think that's the fight to make. I don't care really right now for Kelvin because Kelvin's in a weird spot. But let Jared Cannonier fight the winner of that. Let Chris Wyman fight Hermanson. And then even, even speaking of Hermanson, he's another
1: superstar. Yeah, that's the answer. It's Jack Hermanson. It's Israel Adesanya. Those are like superstars in the making.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think they're definitely going to be able to, you know... Pick up that torch and, you know, keep the name of 185
1: going. I love Israel Asanya. He's he's the next UFC, like, superstar. Yeah. Now, if we talk about the women, it's really unfortunate that we bring in Jessica Andrade as a champion now because it's really hard to sell her.
0: Yeah, and, you know, um, she doesn't know English. Her stature is scary, but... Like, her personality, she's like like a puppy, you know? Yeah, she's very friendly. Yeah, like, and I've never seen her angry against opponents, but then you see what she does to them, and you're like, what the hell? You're expecting her to go in there like Bitch Correa, where she goes in and
1: she's like, I'm going to kill you. And then loses. Yeah, and then (laughs) gets obliterated.
0: But you know what? The way I see it is that the only way to sell her is if she gets a couple of defenses under her belt. And then gets to say, I'm the best female fighter there is. And then in that case, you know, you can push her. I Honestly, and this is going to sound crazy, but if Andrade can get through Suarez and Ansaroff and anybody else in that division. She's going to
1: have to fight Ioana again if she does. Yep.
0: And on top of that, she's also going to have to fight Watterson. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be an easy fight. It's not easy to wrap Waterson up because no. Watterson's got a decent ground game. Her judo tosses are solid. You can have as much muscle as you want. But if you get judo tossed, good luck. You know, because Waterson's gar- ground game is... She's up there now. It's it's like another uh, Joanne Calderwood. Now her ground game's there. So, I think right now we're looking at a prime Michelle Watterson. There's a lot of tough fights for Andraj, But I can't put her as a superstar right now because she hasn't proven herself yet. I just can say that she just got lucky with the right slam and rose unfortunately he got knocked out so that's all I can say
1: and with our last question it comes from my good buddy and your good buddy now Ron <laughs> Pashery Jr. he asks a very simple question will Nate actually fight Pettis or will he eventually say that he wants to fight he who shall remain nameless again
0: <laughs> no I think this is an exciting fight for him
1: expect to see a, a press conference fight or a oh way my fight. god I cannot wait. I cannot wait till the press conference. Just wait
0: till you see the hands go up, and then Pettis in his face, and then the push. Maybe a swing here or there. It's an exciting matchup. I don't think that Nate Diaz is going to say no to this fight. It's definitely not getting canceled. So expect to see this fight, and
1: also expect to see him call out Connor. It sounds like, and do not quote me on this, but from what some you know, high-level MMA reporters are saying is that Nate actually got, like, this new deal where, like, he's doing a lot better money-wise. Like, the UFC kind of needs him now.
0: Yeah, because they need somebody to shake it up. He's been calling a lot of guys out, and they need somebody who's going to say, I'll fight him to anybody they put up in front of him. I'll fight him the same way Donald Cerrone's been doing it. Donald Cerrone beat Mike Perry. Hey, you want to fight this new and up and comer who's never lost in UFC and looks like a tank? Yeah, I'll fight him. You know, like, they need that. And if Nate Diaz can pull off a victory against Anthony Pettis, there's no telling what's going to happen between 170 and 155. We have no idea. So, I mean, let's see what goes down. I think it's I think it's an incredible matchup um, for him, you know, to fight a guy like Anthony Pettis. But, um... We could be potentially seeing a a chance to see who's gonna fight Connor at 170. I don't think Connor comes back to 155. I don't know that name. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. I don't know that name. But we we don't know. <laughs> we have no idea if he's coming back to 155 immediately. But you know the nameless fighter. Uh, let's see because these are the kind of fights that will intrigue him. That will give him that bug again, where he'll be like, hmm. I think I'll come back, you know? And that, I think that's what everyone's hoping for. So let's just see what goes down.
1: My last thing I want to say before we close out Andre, can we please put to bed BJ Penn?
0: Dana, if you're listening to me, if you ever hear this podcast, ever cut BJ Penn. Cut the ties. That's it, man. I don't care what bum you put him against. We don't want to see BJ Penn get hurt anymore. He's a legend in the sport. But I'm telling you, these fights are killing his legacy. Just stop. It's over with. BJ Penn doesn't have it. He doesn't have the reflexes. He doesn't have the strength. Nothing. Just leave it alone and let
1: the guy live his life. That's all I got to say. I am Josh Prep Iguina. <laughs> you can find me at Elroy in across all forms of social media. One word. Andre, tell them where they can find you. You
0: can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Flow State Dre. You can also find me as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez, on Facebook. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you can, leave a like. I'm sorry, leave a comment. Subscribe to uh, the podcast. And if you have any listener questions, feel free to DM either me or Josh. And, you know, just give us whatever you got. Thank you again.
1: Thanks for everything, guys. Enjoy the fights, and we'll see you next week.